Hi, this is Bill Arnold. Missed a show or need me talking to help you sleep tonight? I have several solutions to that situation. Here are the podcasts from the show. You are the best for listening and supporting Faith Radio. to Afternoons with me. I'm Bill Arnold. I've got a big question for you today. What what day did the crucifixion fall on? Was it Good Friday or was it Thursday? We're going to talk about that today with my friend Jeff Redorn. He's here with me in the studio. And this is a incredibly interesting hour we're going to have for you. So get ready because uh, I think you're going to hear some incredibly compelling evidence uh, for something that might surprise you. Uh, Jeff is a Bible teacher and mentor and mostly a friend of mine. And I'm awful glad to have him back in. Jeff, welcome. Hi, Bill. So I want to say it was in high school maybe or junior junior high when you started to have this personal struggle with... So tell me about the three days and the three nights in the tomb. It was. I, I, I distinctly remember as a young man sitting in on the bench, you know, in my Presbyterian church at Easter time, and they would talk about these three days and three nights. And I would sit there and I'd go, well, wait a minute here, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Well, I can see you can get three days, but the prophecy is actually very specific, right? It says very specific, three days and three nights. And Mm -hmm. I guess I would say that Oh, well, I guess I'm just not that smart, and mm-hmm. uh, you just trust the guy behind the pulpit, right, and the church and the denomination and history and tradition and all the rest. And you know what? Over the years as I've taught this, I can't tell you how many times, you know, someone has said, you know, this has bothered me for 30 years, and we go through this teaching, and it has become clear to many people uh, that we'll see today over the next, over the next hour. Let's dig in. Well, the the other thing I want to bring up is this thing of tradition. Um, tradition is a powerful thing. And I, th- I think people ask, well, how, if you think something's different and if Scripture points so clearly to a different day, to Thursday rather than a Friday crucifixion, why does the church around the world still celebrate Good Friday? And why do we believe that? And I think, you know, tradition is a powerful thing. Uh, tradition dies very slowly. Mm-hmm. There's, as, you know... You can look up a lot of different theologians um, through the centuries, and many, many of them have come to this conclusion. But tradition dies hard. Let me just read one verse that I think is probably the main verse on why very early on the church started teaching that the crucifixion happened on a Friday. And that's John 19, verse 31. It says this, Now it was the day of preparation, and we'll see that day is very important, as we'll see to understand that. And the next day was to be a special Sabbath because the Jews did not want the bodies left on the crosses during the Sabbath. They asked Pilate to have the legs broken and the bodies taken down. Well, we know that the regular Sabbath, the weekly Sabbath, starts sundown on Friday. Mm -hmm. So I think tradition had read this passage and said, oh, he was crucified on Friday. They needed to get the body down before, to the, before the start of that regular Sabbath. But notice, it actually says a special Sabbath. 
the special Sabbath. So we need to understand that. So where I want to start is to paint a picture from the Old Testament for the Passover, because this is what actually they were celebrating. And we know that Christ is the Lamb of God, the Passover Lamb of God, that he is going to fulfill this Passover festival um, in his coming in some way. Mm -hmm. So let's first establish the Old Testament kind of pattern, and then we'll look at the New Testament timeline, okay? Excellent. So number one, Exodus 12, and this is where we know the story. The first Passover, the Israelites are in Egypt, and they are about to um, exit uh, Egypt uh, to the promised land. And uh, Exodus 12, 3 says this, that on that night, on the 10th day of the month of Nisan, so Nisan is the name of the first month on the Hebrew calendar, mm-hmm. and it was to be their first month from this moment on, from this first Passover on, Nisan would be the first month. So that's very important that we establish right away that on the 10th day of Nisan, Israel was to select their lambs. And it says it this way, tell the whole community, Exodus twelve three of Israel that on the 10th day of this month, each man is to take a lamb for his family, one for each household. The animal, verse 5, you choose must be year old males without defect. And then verse 6 says this, you are to take care of that lamb, that animal, until the 14th day of the month, when all the people of the community of Israel must slaughter their that lamb, slaughter them at twilight. So late in the afternoon, on the 14th day of that month, of the month of Nisan, they are to slaughter the lamb. So this, uh, this pattern was to be repeated for every single Passover from that first Passover forward. On the 10th day of Nisan, they were to select the lamb. They were to care for it until the 14th day. Late in the afternoon on the 14th day, they would slaughter the lamb And then it goes on to say that they are to consume the lamb or eat the lamb at the Passover meal, which would happen after sundown on the 15th day of Nisan. Because don't forget, the Hebrew calendar is different from our calendar, right? Mm -hmm. The Hebrew calendar, the day ends at sundown and the new day begins. So if you slaughter the lamb on Nisan the 14th late in the afternoon... Sundown comes, the next day is then Nisan the 15th, in which they would eat the Passover meal, the lamb, Mm -hmm. right? So there's the pattern. The next thing that we would look at is in Leviticus 23, we actually get some more details about how this uh, festival is then to be observed as a lasting ordinance for all the generations. And I'm going to just read a couple of verses here in Leviticus Um, verse 7. Actually, I'm going to go back to 5. The Lord Passover begins at twilight on the 14th day of the first month. Well, that's when they sacrificed the lambs, right? We just read that back in Exodus. On the 15th day of the month, the Lord's feast of unleavened bread begins. For seven days, you must eat bread without yeast. On the first day, hold a sacred assembly and do no regular work. Okay, so what did we just establish? We just established that on the 15th day of Nisan, after you slaughter the lamb on the 14th, the 15th is to be a sacred assembly. 
do no regular work, a Sabbath. That is a special Sabbath. Oh, this is going to get important in a second. So that 15th day, that day that they eat the Passover meal, is a special Sabbath. And then that began the Feast of Unleavened Bread. That went on for seven days. It concluded with actually another feast at the in the seventh day. And then there's one more component of this festival, and that's first fruits. And so whenever, whatever day that Passover falls on, because it always it never falls on the same day every year, right? It's kind of like Christmas or your birthday. It can fall on different days of the week, right, throughout the year, depending on what year it is. After the Feast of Unleavened Bread starts, after the Sabbath, the regular Sabbath day, that first day of the week then was to be first fruit. So that's a Sunday. So this, the first fruits would always be on the first day of the week, a Sunday. All right, so the Old Testament set this pattern. They would pick the for every Passover to be uh, observed every year by Israel. On the 10th day of Nisan, they select the lamb. On the 14th day of the Nisan, late in the afternoon at twilight, they were to slaughter the lamb. They would then, after sundown, hold their Passover meal or eat their Passover meal on Nisan the 15th. That day would be a sacred assembly, a Sabbath, a special Sabbath, and it, that would kick off the Feast of Unleavened Bread, and then first fruits would be that Sunday. So there's our Old Testament pattern. Now we're going to turn to the New Testament, and we're going to look at the events of Christ's life. And everywhere there's a time reference, I'm going to highlight that reference as it relates to the days of the week of this final week of Christ's life. Okay. There's a there's a passage in the New Testament too, Jeff, where the word is Sabbaths, plural. Yes. I don't want to get ahead of you, yeah. but that's significant, isn't it? It is. There is a passage, and we will get to it oh, here good. in a little bit. Good. But it's Spoiler in, alert, we're going to get to it. Yeah, we're going to get to it. But in Matthew 28, you're exactly right. Most of our English Bibles say Sabbath, singular, mm-hmm. but in reality, the Greek is Sabbath, plural, and that's going to play into this big time. Yeah, because there was a special Sabbath that week. Correct. And there would be a special Sabbath every year. That year it just so happened to fall that week. Correct. So what we're going to see is that there's a special Sabbath. And a regular Sabbath. And a regular Sabbath, and they're going to be back to back. And that is going to play into this whole three days and three nights thing. Okay. I need to take a break, and then we come back. We'll continue this amazing study on the final week of Christ. And what day was he crucified? Was it on Good Friday or Thursday? We'll find out after we study God's Word. Jeff Redorn is my guest. We'll be right back. friend Jeff Redorn. We're talking about the final week of Jesus and the crucifixion. And he has this brilliant chart. And I, last time we did this, I offered it to listeners and I had, I think about 178 requests. So I spent a fair amount of my evening (laughs) emailing my listeners, which I love doing, by the way. I I loved, it was a labor of love, but I sent the chart out this year. I'm going to try to make it a little bit easier 
and the chart will be downloadable in the podcast. So when the show is over and the podcast goes up, the link to this chart of Christ's final week will be in the podcast. So you can uh, review it then and maybe even listen to the, the podcast again along with the chart. All right, Jeff, let's pick up. So let's now turn to the New Testament and describe uh, some of the key time references or time phrases that uh, the Gospels include of this final week. So we're going to start in John chapter 12, and it's a, a, a reference that says six days before the Passover, which of course was the 15th, remember, so Nisan the 15th. So this this verse takes place on Saturday, Nisan the 9th. And of course, if we count off right? Six days before the Passover, one, two, three, four, five, six, we get to Nisan the 15th and it fits. The next day, then John 12 says, was the day that Jesus enters into Jerusalem on a donkey. Well, we know that's Sunday, the first day of the week. We know that's Palm Sunday. We just celebrated it a couple days ago. And so we have this description of Jesus entering in on the donkey, which was, by the way, a prophecy in the Old Testament. Zacharias says, behold, your prince comes to you riding on the, the colt, the foe of a donkey. And, uh, and he fulfills that prophecy by entering in Jerusalem on a donkey. Um, by the way, I, I have to mention this because this day is very significant, even from an Old Testament perspective. There is a, another Old Testament prophecy about the coming of Christ, first coming. We know that the Old Testament says that he'll come riding on a colt, that he'll be born in Bethlehem, that he would be a descendant of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob uh, from the line of David and, and so on. There's close to 100 unique prophecies. But one of those prophecies, and a lot of Christians don't know this, prophesies the timing of the Messiah's coming. So Daniel 9 has this amazing prophecy. This is Daniel's 77s or 70 weeks of judgment on Israel. And a long story short, because this is about an hour and a half conversation to really understand this prophecy, Daniel sees a vision and it says, from the issuing of the decree to restore and rebuild Jerusalem until the anointed one comes, the Christ, the Messiah, there will be this period of time. It's basically 69 sevens. A seven is just a seven-year period, so that's 483 years. Well, guess what? Scripture tells us when the decree to restore and rebuild Jerusalem is. It's in Nehemiah chapter 2. And if you count off, once you understand this prophecy correctly, if you count off from that day that Nehemiah received that decree to restore and rebuild Jerusalem until the end of that time frame— it lands on the exact day that Jesus enters Jerusalem on a donkey on this day right here, exactly to the day. And that's the first day that Jesus accepts the praise of Israel. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, right? Mm -hmm. um, so the timing of the Messiah, we knew that where he would be born. We knew what his lineage was going to be. We knew that he'd speak in parables and that he'd be pierced for our transgressions and so on. But the Old Testament got it actually told Israel and the world and us the timing of the Messiah's coming as well. Very powerful prophecy. Wow. So that's this day, Palm Sunday. Jesus goes into the temple, uh, Mark 11. He clears the temple, Matthew 21. It was late, and he goes to Bethany. Now, this is going to be his pattern all week. So he comes into Jerusalem. He does some teaching and changes over the money 
t- uh, changers tables. He then walks out of the city, down into the Kindred Valley, Kidrun Valley, up onto the uh, Mount of Olives, past the Mount of Olives over to Bethany, and that's where he'll spend the night. The next day, he th- will then return. So that's exactly what Matthew 21 says. He left and went to Bethany, where he spent the night. All right, so that's Palm Sunday, and that's we, we can establish that very well. The next day is Monday. So here we see in Mark 11, the next day, we see that he, remember, Jesus curses the fig tree, if you remember that story. Mm-hmm. On reaching the temple, it says again, though, in Mark, that he clears the temple. Okay, well, wait a minute here. Actually, from Scripture, we see that when we reconcile both the Matthew and Mark's accounts and the, the timing frames, we we understand that Jesus cleared the temple both on Sunday and on Monday. Um, not a lot of people understand that. I'm but not it, sure I do. Yeah, it makes sense, right? He comes in, he clears the money changer's temple, he gets all angry, he then leaves, and they say, okay, well, we're going to stop that, right? No, they set up their tables again and they start up business again after he leaves, right? Mm-hmm. And so he comes in the next day on Monday and he has to do it all over again. So there's actually, I believe there's actually two times that he clears the temple both on Sunday and on Monday. Evening comes, Mark eleven nineteen. He goes out of the city, presumably back to Bethany. The next day, we're on Tuesday. In the morning, it says in Mark 11, Peter sees the fig tree that's withered. He arrives again into Jerusalem. So once again, we are in the city And now on Tuesday, this is where we have many of the teachings of Jesus, the parables uh, and the teachings that are recorded in in like in Mark 12 through 13 and also in Matthew 22 through 23. And so there's a number of teachings, a number of parables and so on. The day comes to a close and he's walking out of the city. And here we now get to Matthew 24, a very significant chapter And actually, the question that is asked of Jesus at the start of Matthew 24, his longest answer to any question comes in Matthew 24. And if you recall, at the start, he says, do you see all these buildings? Not one stone will be left upon another. An amazing prophecy, right? Mm -hmm. We have this huge temple made of huge stones And he tells his disciples as they're leaving the city that evening, you see this building, not one stone will be left upon another. And they ask him this question, actually two questions. Jesus, when will this happen? When will the temple be destroyed? And what will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? Well, the first question, let's take that first. He actually never answers that question. But we know from history when that temple was actually destroyed. And history records that in 70 AD, the Roman general Titus attacks the city, besieges the city. He breaks the siege. They they end up setting fire to the temple. This gold runs down. Then they end up prying every stone of the temple off one another and throwing it off of the Temple Mount. And to this day, I have pictures of it when I've been in Jerusalem there. You can see piles of stone that had been thrown off the Temple Mount down below the the, the foundation walls that are still sitting there almost 2,000 years later. So Jesus' prophecy that not one stone would be left upon another comes through precisely 
as Jesus said. And, of course, the second part of it is what will be the sign of your coming, your second coming in the end of the age. And the rest of Matthew 24 and a good part of Matthew 25 is all about the signs of Jesus's second coming, right? That's mm-hmm. a whole other class. Hmm. He then leaves the temple. Uh, or he was leaving the temple. We have the Olivet Discourse. And it says in Matthew 26, now the Passover is still two days away. Well, now we're on Tuesday evening, which would be Nisan the 13th, and of course, two days, 14th, 15th, Mm -hmm. that's the Passover. So we're still consistent and connecting to the time passages that are in the New Testament. This is when Judas Iscariot went to the chief priest, and he set up his deal now to betray Jesus the next day. So now we're on Nisan the 13th, Wednesday, and we actually don't have a lot of details about what happens during the day on Wednesday, but that evening we now get to something very significant, and that is the Last Supper. And it says in Matthew 26 that on the first day of the Feast of Unleavened Bread, Luke 22 says, on the day that is customary to slaughter the lamb... So we know what that day is. It's Mm -hmm. Nisan the 14th. That is the day that the Last Supper happens. Well, that's Wednesday evening, Nisan the 14th. Do you see? We're a day before tradition says. Yeah. So we know this because, look, there's one other aspect of the Thursday crucifixion that we have to kind of debunk uh, tradition again, and that is that the Last Supper is the Passover meal. Mm -hmm. And I do not believe that the Last Supper is the same thing as the Passover meal. I think they're two separate and distinct events. Jesus, the Lamb of God, is sacrificed on the 14th of Nisan, just like the lambs of Israel were being sacrificed, before the Passover meal is eaten on the 15th. At the Last Supper... What do we see? What are the ingredients at the Last Supper? When Jesus sits down to disciples, he takes bread and says, this is my body that I break for you, and here's the wine that's poured out for you. This is my blood that's poured out for you. Is there any mention at all in that Last Supper of the lamb? Yeah. The main entree. The main entree. It's not mentioned at the Last Supper. So when the disciples in Luke 22 are told to go and prepare the room for the Passover, this is preparation day. Yeah. Preparation day. You got Yeah, we're going to go to break, but let's pick up right there because okay. this is a really important point um, because Jesus sent the disciples to go shop, right? <laughs> the For day the- before the Passover meal was the 14th, and that is what is called preparation day. That's the day before this special Sabbath is coming when they're going to do all the work in preparation. Yeah. We're talking to Jeff Redorn the final week of Christ, and we're going to be right back. Jeff has a chart. It will be in the podcast tonight. You can download it right off the podcast uh, tonight at MyFaithRadio.com. Go to the Afternoons with Bill show page. It'll be right there. Be right back. Show with Bill 
have gotten it started, and I'm not even thinking about dinner yet because this is way too interesting. Jeff Redorn is my guest. We're talking about the final week of Jesus's life. And Jeff, let's go back to the difference um, in your take on the Last Supper and the Passover meal. Yeah, so there's actually a lot of clues, and in fact, three specific passages that I want to look at next that prove actually beyond any reasonable doubt that the Last Supper is not the Passover. But right before break, we talked about the fact that would the lamb, the sacrifice, actually eat at its own meal? Well, no, the lamb doesn't eat at his own meal, and Jesus was the lamb of God. He's the sacrifice, right? So Mm -hmm. he wouldn't be at the sacrifice meal. Um, But here's another point. A a friend of mine just brought this up the other day when I was teaching this, and I thought, well, that's a great point. I never thought of it. Remember the Passover. They weren't supposed to leave their house until morning, Mm -hmm. making sure that's Exodus 12, 22, making sure that all the lamb was eaten by morning, but they weren't supposed to leave. Remember the pattern is the death angel came that night Mm -hmm. and it killed the firstborn. So you didn't leave the house. So you did not leave the house. What did Jesus and the disciples do after they eat the meal at the last supper? Sent them out. They They left. They left. Yeah. They went to the Garden of Gethsemane, yeah. and that's where Jesus was praying in the garden, and the disciples fell asleep, and he says, not my will, but your will be done, and all that kind of stuff. But they left. That's another distinction between the Last Supper and the Passover meal. So not only did it not have any lamb there, not only does the lamb not eat at his own meal, but they weren't supposed to leave, and they obviously left after the Last Supper. So the Last Supper was simply—now, that upper room in which they had the Last Supper was— On that day, preparation day, they would have been preparing that room, clearing out all the yeast, getting ready to have the Passover in that room the next evening. Right. So here are the passages that are on on the chart that I want to point out to you. If you recall, in John 13, it says it was before the Passover feast, the evening meal was served. So at the Last Supper, Scripture actually says that it's before the Passover feast, meaning that the Passover feast is still yet future. Mm -hmm. Then Jesus Jesus says, remember the whole scene that the one who dips his bread in the cup after with me will be the one who's going to betray me. And Jesus tells Judas, after he's identified, to go and buy what is needed for the feast. That's the Passover. For the Passover. Mm Mm-hmm. If they're eating the Passover right then and there at the Last Supper, it makes no sense to send Judas out of the meal and tell him to go buy what is needed for the feast. Yeah. Makes no sense. Right. So that's John 13, 29. Then they leave. They go to the Garden of Gethsemane. And so it's 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 we're in the garden. We know that is when Jesus prays uh, the the... Jews come with all of their troops. Jesus is arrested. Uh, He's brought before Caiaphas, Matthew 26. Uh, That's when Peter denies Jesus. Uh, He goes before Caiaphas. Then Pilate sends him early the next morning. Jesus is handed over to Pilate, Matthew 27. And now here, John 18. This one is key also. Because it says that early the next morning, after, after the Last Supper... It says that the Jews did not want to enter the palace, meaning Pilate's palace, because it says, Scripture says, they wanted to be clean to be able to eat the Passover, meaning that the Passover was still 
yet future. And this is the next morning. So this is Thursday morning now. Mm-hmm. After the Last Supper on Wednesday evening, Thursday morning, the Jews did not enter Pilate's house because they wanted to be, quote, clean to eat the Passover. If they would have entered a Gentile's house, they would have been unclean and they wouldn't have been able to participate in the Passover. And the, the Passover or the Sabbath we're talking about is the special Sabbath. Correct. Yes. Now, just for the audience to, again, differentiate between the regular Sabbath and then this extra Sabbath, which is happening once a year, and that week in the life of Jesus, uh, his final week, it happened that week. Correct. So so what we're going to get to here is, so now it's Thursday morning. That evening, this is now preparation day, Nisan the 14th. What happens on preparation day? Well, everything needed to get ready for the Passover meal. So the Nisan the 14th was, wouldn't be, remember they were supposed to clear out all the yeast out of their home. Mm -hmm. So that would be done on preparation day, the 14th. Uh, They would need to prepare the lamb that Mm -hmm. they were taking care of since the 10th. Late on the 14th, they were going to get ready to sacrifice that lamb. Well, there's preparation there. You also have to buy everything else, get the room ready and so on. It's kind of like... If you think about today, Christmas Eve, well, maybe not today, but maybe how Christmas used to be done. Christmas Day was the celebration. The day before Christmas, historically, was kind of preparation day. That's when most families would trim their tree and get their presents ready and get everything all ready for Christmas Day. That's really what preparation day is to Israel for, uh, for the Passover, Preparation Day, Nisan the 14th, is when everything got ready because once sundown came, that was the special Sabbath, and they were not supposed to do any regular work. All that they were supposed to do is actually eat the Passover meal and not leave any until morning. So do you see the pattern there? That's mm-hmm. the, that is the pattern. So we are still on Preparation Day, Thursday on, in 32 AD, where, by the way, all this chart is happening in 32 AD. I, I didn't mention that at the start, but this... Uh, now we got to start over. Uh, <laughs> this chart only works because of the days of the week in 32 AD, it fits together okay. perfectly. So, but that's okay. Anyway, so the bottom line is the Jews did not enter the temple because they wanted to eat the Passover that evening. Thursday evening, which on the Jewish calendar, again, would revert to the next day, Nisan the 15th. All right. So the day of preparation of Passover week, about the sixth hour, we see this, here is your king, he says. And the governor's custom at the feast was to release a prisoner. So once again, at the feast, prior to the feast, uh, the governor's custom was to release a prisoner. But of course, no, Israel said, no, crucify him, crucify him. And Pilate handed him over to be crucified. Scripture then says there was darkness between the sixth hour and the ninth hour, Matthew 27, 45. And in the ninth hour, Jesus dies. Well, the ninth hour is about three o'clock in the afternoon, late in the afternoon, at twilight, quote unquote. So Thursday, Nisan the 14th, Preparation day for the Passover meal. Get a load of this. As all of Israel is taking their lamb 
and slaughtering them late in the afternoon for the Passover meal. The Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world is on the cross dying as our sacrifice at the same time on Thursday afternoon, Hmm. Nisan the 14th. Do you see that? Oh, yeah. (laughs) Isn't that cool? (laughs) Yeah. So that is preparation day. Um, Then he obviously dies. That's when we get to this John 19 passage. Now, so let me read this again. Now with this understanding, now it was the day of preparation and the next day was to be a special Sabbath, John 19, 31. And so they asked to get the bodies down. And of course, they don't break Jesus's bones. He's already died. Uh, That is a fulfillment of prophecy, by the way, that he counts all his bones. Not one would be broken. That's an Old Testament prophecy, by the way, for the crucifixion as well. And so we see that Thursday sundown was the start of this special Sabbath, this sacred assembly, which means, which would have, which would have gone from sundown Thursday to sundown Friday. Mm-hmm. Then we have the regular Sabbath. Starting sundown Friday to sundown Saturday. Exactly. Which is why we don't see the women coming with the burial spices to prepare the body until Sunday first light. Because all day Friday during the evening, I'm sorry, during the daylight was a Sabbath, and all day Saturday during the daylight was a Sabbath, the regular weekly Sabbath. And so the first opportunity that they have to go in and prepare the body, to touch a dead body, which you were not supposed to do on the Sabbath, was Sunday at first light. And guess what we see? We actually see that early on the first day of the week, John 20 says, While it was still dark, oh, that's going to become important in just a minute here. So it's before the sun comes up. While it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw the stone had been removed, John 20, verse 1. So Scripture actually tells us before first light, they arrive at the tomb, the stone's rolled away, and Jesus has already been resurrected. Mm -hmm. All right. So now let's look at this sign. Let's get back to this sign that we mentioned at the very start of the hour. Jesus very specifically says, and he gives this prophecy. This prophecy is that I'm going to give you a sign to show you that I am who I say that I am. And that sign is the sign of Jonah. Just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the huge fish, so the Son of Man will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. And that is Matthew 12, 40. So we need to have three days and three nights for Jesus to be in the tomb before his resurrection. Mm -hmm. You cannot get there from Friday before sundown. But Thursday before sundown, he's in the tomb. He died Thursday day, so part of Thursday, all day Friday, and all day Saturday, he's in the tomb. And then all day Thursday night, all day Friday night, and all night Saturday night, or the vast majority of Saturday night. Notice that it says specifically in Scripture that he's risen before first light on Sunday. So we do not count Sunday day. That would have added a, that would have added a fourth day. It would have added a fourth mm-hmm. day. So once again, Thursday crucifixion, Thursday afternoon, Nisan the 14th, preparation day, when Israel is slaughtering their lambs, Jesus is 
crucified. He goes into the tomb. He's in the tomb part of the day, Thursday day, Friday day, Saturday day, Saturday day. And he's in the tomb Thursday night, Friday night, and most of Saturday night. Three days and three nights. Three nights. Now, one more verse. John 2. Remember, Jesus said that this temple was going to be destroyed. Well, earlier in John, he actually says, destroy this temple, meaning his body, and I will raise it up again in three days. In three days. Well, if I told you something was going to happen in three days, and it was Friday, you'd count off Saturday, Sunday, Monday. Mm Mm-hmm. You'd say, well, it's going to happen on Monday. Once again, the Friday crucifixion doesn't meet or doesn't match the Scripture. But a Thursday crucifixion matches it exactly. In three days, I will raise it up again. Thursday, he's crucified. Friday, Saturday, Sunday. In three days, sure enough, he rose from the dead. By the way, this works whether or not you're talking about the Jewish calendar or the English, Gregorian or Julian calendar, uh, that I have both of these on my chart, by the way. So when mm. you get this chart, when you look at it, I have the Hebrew days and the and our days and then evenings and daytimes, and you can see it all on the chart, that he was in the tomb from Thursday day to before sunrise on Sunday morning, three days and three nights, exactly as Scripture says. Mm-hmm. Now... Do I have time to do the Sabbaths, plural? Let's do that and then go to break. Okay. So you mentioned this earlier. <laughs> this is so cool. This is something I discovered. Well, I'm in version 9 of this chart. I think I discovered this about version 6 or something. But it's this. It's from Matthew 28, 1. And that passage says this. And I'm going to read it in the English as it's translated in almost every English Bible. It says this. After the Sabbath at dawn at the first day of the week, and it goes on and describes the event of the women coming to the tomb and mm-hmm. so on. But it says after the Sabbath, singular. But the Greek is plural. And I have confirmed this with Greek uh, language experts, that this word in the Greek, in the original manuscripts, is actually plural. Now, nobody translates it plural because to most people with a Friday crucifixion, it doesn't make any sense. But it is actually plural. So let me read it plural. It actually says, after the Sabbaths, on the plural, at dawn on the first day of the week. Well, now with our timeline and our understanding that was there was two Sabbaths back to back, suddenly that makes all the sense in the world. Ton of sense. Yeah. Scripture is very precise, it's isn't it? Exactly precise. We'll take a little break. Jeff Verdorn is my guest. We're going through the final week of the life of Jesus and the crucifixion. And he's got a lovely chart. If you go to the podcast tonight at MyFaithRadio.com, you can download it right off the podcast. We'll be right back.
song from my guest, Jeff Redorn. We're going through the final week in the life of Jesus. Pretty compelling biblical evidence that will leave a lot of us thinking, Was has tradition convinced us that it's Friday when the biblical text is teaching Thursday? So what do we do? Go to our churches and say, we got to start doing this on Thursday. Yeah, let's storm the castles, shall we? <laughs> How's that going to work? You go first. Yeah, you know, it's, uh, it, it is. I mean, it, once you see this and once it falls down, and I think I mentioned this at the beginning of the hour, there's actually a lot of people that believe that Jesus was crucified on a Thursday. And yet the tradition goes on. And so we celebrate Good Friday year after year after year. And, um, you know, some have said, well, shouldn't we go talk to our senior pastor and make them change it? And so, you know, look, I think the most important thing is that we remember what happened this week. I think it's really cool that the Bible is so precise and this all fits together so perfectly for a Thursday crucifixion. But you know, when I go to church on Good Friday, this isn't going to matter much because what I'm really there to remember is precisely what Jesus said at the Last Supper Mm -hmm. when he took the bread and he took the cup and he says, whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, do this in remembrance of me. So look, I think there's this question, you know, there's a lot of people who come to church just on Christmas and Easter, right? Those C and E Christians. There is no admonition in Scripture to celebrate these high holy days of Christmas and Easter, right? That's something we do out of our religiosity, if you will, as we make them kind of these special days. Paul actually says in Romans 14, one person considers one day more sacred than another. Another considers every day alike. Each of them should be fully convinced in their own minds. I can't help but think that Paul thought of every day the same. And you know how I think of it? I want to live my life as if every day was Christmas, as if every day was Easter, remembering every day that Christ went on the cross. Some want to say the Romans killed him because they had the power to crucify him. Others say the Jews are the ones who killed him because they're the ones who called out crucified him and brought him to the authority. You know who really crucified Jesus? Me, you. He died for our sins. Mm -hmm. That's what sent him to the cross. So I think it's really cool. I love this chart. I think it's so cool. I think scripture fits together so precisely on this Thursday crucifixion. And the fact that Jesus was on the cross at the precise time that all of Israel was sacrificing their lambs, I just love that picture. But you know what? Whatever day we need to remember in our hearts, first and foremost, amen? I mean, that's what this is really all about. And that point, Jeff, that you just made, it it gave me goosebumps. The first time I heard it, and it did today as well, that when all of Israel was sacrificing their lamb, the lamb of God was on the cross at the same time. Yeah, it's, it's a powerful teaching to show that the the feasts of Israel, there's actually seven feasts of Israel. Jesus fulfilled the first four of those spring feasts in his first coming. He's actually going to fulfill the last three feasts in his second coming. This is a powerful teaching. But as we see here, so he was crucified on Passover, the Feast of Unleavened Bread, he's buried. First fruits, we really didn't get to that. But on Sunday, of course, this coming Sunday, Jesus rose from the dead. And Corinthians says that he is the first fruits, the first to be raised to glory. 
And by the way, if there's a first, <laughs> that means there's going to be more. More sons of God are going to be in glory with him. That's one of the great promises of God, that we are going to receive a glorified body just like Christ, and we will be with him in glory. That's our resurrection day. That's the resurrection that because Christ has been raised, so too we will be raised and we will be glorified. So I would love it if the church started celebrating Good Thursday. I think that would be fantastic. I'm not going to hold my breath, right? I don't think it's going to happen because tradition dies hard. But in the end, this week, I want to remember the sacrifice of Christ. And I hope a lot of listeners had a chance to review in their own head. Maybe they've been troubled just the way you were troubled, Jeff, in high school, where three days and three nights. Isn't it? I find it fascinating that, you know, I was all the way back in junior high when I remember I remember sitting there going, this just doesn't make sense to me. It was 20 years later that I started studying Scripture on my own and realizing, no, this doesn't make sense. And here is when I started making this chart. This chart took me months, by the way, studying all of the individual time references in all four of the Gospels and piecing them together to put this picture together. And guess what I found out? It fits together perfectly. And that's what makes it so powerful and something that we all as Bible students should study and then come to our own understanding and decisions as to how we want to think about that celebration. Absolutely. So when we when we go in this week, and, you know, the, the other thing is we have Monday, Thursday. That should be Monday, Wednesday, Good mm-hmm. Thursday instead of Good Friday, then the special Sabbath, then the regular Sabbath, and then the first day of the week, Easter morn. Here's what we can know for sure. We know for sure that the resurrection happened on the first day of the week. So we know that Resurrection Sunday was Resurrection Sunday. And uh, so come Easter Sunday, which is, of course, this Sunday, very special day. I love Easter. Um, It's why he came, right? Um, To testify to truth, to die for the sins of the world, and to rise again. And Christianity, all of Christianity, your faith, my faith, all of our faith, hinges on the truth of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians 15 says that if Christ has not been raised, then your faith is futile. You are still dead in your trespasses and sins. But Christ has indeed raised from the dead. He is the first fruits. Mm -hmm. So all of Christianity, the truth of Christianity hinges on this Sunday, what we are going to remember this Sunday, and that is the resurrection. The timing of his death is fascinating, and that's the chart. But the truth of his resurrection is the central truth to all of Christianity, because without that truth, we're all still dead in our sins, and our faith in, in this risen Christ, in the death, burial, and resurrection is for all for none mm-hmm. if he hasn't raised from the dead. And it's been an interesting study to look at the, the um, Passover and the Last Supper. That was an interesting element to this study that I'm sure will be disruptive to a lot of people. Yeah, isn't, I mean, so there's two main traditions that we kind of, uh, you know, d- d- dispelled, and that is the, the day of the crucifixion from Friday to Thursday. But the other main one to understand the difference between the Last Supper not being the Passover meal, mm-hmm. that the Last Supper happened on the preparation day, the night before, 
Jesus's and all the lambs were then crucified. Then the Passover meal was that evening, Nisan the 15th. So those two main truths, if you get those truths, then you can kind of understand the the core of this chart and this mm-hmm. this teaching today. Yeah. And if you missed any of this, please go to MyFaithRadio.com. You can hear the podcast and the downloadable chart that Jeff has been referencing throughout this whole hour is available for you to download. And if you go through it a second time, because I've gone through this many, many times, and you have the chart in front of you and you follow along with Jeff's teaching on the hour, it really is uh, comes alive because... Uh, The material is so dense, and it's so good, and it's laid out so beautifully. So, Jeff, thanks again for doing this. This is something I look forward to. You've done it a couple of years now in a row here, and I just love it. I love it. uh, Let's make this a tradition. Ah, This week, every year, I love to do this teaching. All right. That wraps up our show for the day. I'm so glad you listened. I'm so glad uh, we made this time together, you and me, and we had uh, some great teaching. And I hope you enjoyed the show. And just know that as you lay your head on that pillow tonight, God's working out his great plan in your life. And he just, he loves you so much. And I do too. See you tomorrow. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.